Lord, where else have we to go when you have the words of eternal life? You are Jesus Christ, the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing us to your feet. We need you, Lord Jesus. We are empty and broken and scared and hurting. But with you, you pour out all your love and your mercy and your grace upon us. And those things become dim in the light of you and who you are and all that you've done. Lord, bring that to us now this morning, we ask. We thank you for your word that is life itself. We thank you that this morning we can hear that read to us. We can think about it. We can hear it explained to us through the wisdom of Duncan and others that have inputted into his knowledge. But really we're hearing it from your lips And we're thankful for that. So open our hearts this morning to hear the good news and to be refreshed in our walk with you. We ask this in expectation. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as a body, though one, has many parts... But all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one body, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance 
and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Um, Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. I'm glad you all made it in one piece. It would have been quite awkward if my nose said this morning, I really don't feel like going to church today. You go ahead without me. Uh, Or if my feet said, look, you've worked me hard enough recently and I'm staying home. Um, Or, you know, on the other hand, if I was sick and I had to stay home, but my eyes said, I'm too important not to be seen. So they kind of just popped out, rolled their way here and just stared at you for half an hour. You know, Um, it's a ridiculous thought, right? It's kind of grotesque. Um, Because you can't split me into parts like that. I'm not Mr. Potato Head, you know. Um, Every part of me depends on every other part of me. They all make up me. And same with you. Um, Now, there's a big issue going on in this uh, passage and that we're thinking about today. How can you be one and many at the same time? How can you be one and many at the same time? Uh, you remember that song? It was a bit of a hit um, a couple of decades ago. We are one, but we are many. Um, anyone else remember that? Yes, yeah, yeah, famous song. Um, it's a value that we have as a society, right? As an Australian society. It seems to me, though, that we're not actually very good at achieving it. Um, you just need to watch the news to kind of figure that out, to see that. But brothers and sisters... The church is Christ's kingdom breaking into the kingdoms of this world. That's what the church is. Christ's kingdom breaking into the kingdoms of this world. And if you're a Christian, God the Father has united you to his Son through the power of his Spirit. You have been brought into a unity and a diversity that is unlike any other. The unity and diversity of God himself. And that has to shape you deeply. Uh, If you're not a Christian, that's what is offered to you. A new identity, not just as part of a club, but as a member of Christ brought right into the heart of God by his grace. Uh, I mentioned this last week. These chapters in 1 Corinthians are all about the church. Uh, the gathering of God's people in Christ. It's, they're about what we do and how we think when we come together like this. Uh, last week we saw this, and uh, the church in Corinth were trying to figure out what it meant to be spiritual. They lived in a world full of spiritual counterfeits, uh, spiritual options. And Paul says a truly spiritual church, a church where the Holy Spirit of God is powerfully and miraculously at work, is one where fundamentally one where Jesus is exalted as Lord. The Spirit's delight is to shine his spotlight on Christ to make the Lordship of Jesus real to people. And not only that, we saw last week, a Holy Spirit church is one where people with all kinds of gifts come together to use them for the common good. God gives, gives gifts to his people and the reason he gives them is so that they can be given in order to build up his church. So what this passage, the rest of this chapter goes on to talk about is, is to, to tell us why that's so important, why it's so crucial uh, that this is the Holy Spirit's work among us. See, what is a church? 
What is this gathering of God's people? Well, what happens in this passage is, is Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he, he's, when he's searching for some way to help the Corinthians understand who they are, he uses this brilliant image, this image of a body. Um, it is brilliant. I, I, was thinking, I can't actually think of any other image that is as powerful as this to, to get this across. Uh, and he comes, Paul comes back to it again and again in his letters. You kind of see it referred to again and again. It is crucial that Christ's people understand and live this reality out. So have a look. It would be helpful to have the passage there if you've got your own Bibles or the passage printed. Um, Verse 12 says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with the church. But that's not what it says, is it? (laughs) Uh, That's what you expect it to say. So it is with the church. What does it actually say? So it is with... Christ, yeah, so it is. Now that's interesting, isn't it? See what he's saying there? Christ's people are so intimately united to him. Uh, They're as intimately united to him as your foot and your ear is to you. (laughs) We are his body. We're his body. And, And uniting people to Jesus is what the Spirit of God does. So look at verse 13. For we were all baptized by one Spirit... So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Um, there's a bit of talk about what being baptized by the Holy Spirit is. I think this passage is pretty clear that to be baptized by the Holy Spirit is another way of talking about becoming a Christian, uh, about being united to Jesus uh, as a part of his body. So if you're a Christian, that's because the Holy Spirit has grabbed you in all of your muck, all of your filth, and has washed you clean, utterly and completely, has flooded you with God's grace and mercy and kindness in the gospel. By the Spirit, you have been buried with Christ and raised with him, and now you drink of him. Uh, What a profound kind of image here so the big question i think here for us to just pause for a moment is have you been baptized by the holy spirit have you been washed cleansed by the spirit of the living god have you turned from your sin and turned to christ if not that's what god offers you what he wants you to have but if you have if you're a christian person if you have been washed by the Spirit of God, then Paul's big message here is that that's not an individualistic thing. It's not an individualistic thing. You are washed, saved into a body, into a body, the body of Christ. And in this body, there's no inner circle. (laughs) There's no part of the body. There's no group that's more special than any other group doesn't matter your background you notice that whether you're jew or gentile slave or free whatever you do wherever you're from whoever you are because all christians are baptized by the one spirit into one body all of us are given the one spirit did you see how paul's sort of emphasizing that over and over again here this is a rock solid fundamental unity in this body isn't it? A beautiful, unshakable unity, 
all of us, all, all of Christ's people. But there is also in this body a beautiful diversity. Look at verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. See, Paul knows this issue is really, it really is at the heart of so many of the problems in this church that he's writing to. Um, that they're not believing or living out the truth of who they are in Christ. And so what he does next, he, he kind of, in the next couple of paragraphs, he highlights two different ways that they can divide Christ's body. Now, this is the kind of thing that's dividing Christ's body among them. And the first of them, notice that, the first of them is to think, you don't need me. That's what he says first, verse 15. Now, and it is supposed to be funny, okay, so you can chuckle, that's okay. Uh, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, oh, I'd really love to be an eye. Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, <laughs> where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So this is the person who thinks, because I don't have that gift or that role, it doesn't really matter like if I'm there or not. I don't really belong. And do you see Paul's response? Just because you might say that doesn't make it true. Doesn't make it true. Uh, this foot doesn't stop being part of the body just because it's not a hand. Um, there is an objective reality to this, and this is so important. You are part of the body if you are in Christ. That's just a reality. Um, even if you're not an eyeball. <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine it, right? If, if the body, if we're all just one big eyeball rolling around. Uh, we do one thing really well, but we would be a monster, right? We'd be grotesque, distorted, ineffective. How horrific if we were all Duncans, you know? Ugh. Monstrous. And notice how Paul highlights the sovereignty of God in all of this, in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I think, friends, this is both deeply encouraging and also challenging. It's both deeply... I think it, it's both. Uh, maybe you're someone who struggles with deep insecurities and self-doubts. Uh, maybe you're the kind of script that runs in your head is, I'm hopeless, no one really wants me or needs me. Here is God's word which is stronger than your feelings and an anchor to hold you. He has placed you in the body. You didn't just drift in. He wants you here. You might not esteem yourself, but he esteems you. He knows you inside and out and he loves you. He loves you enough to send his son to die so you could be part of his body. And maybe that's all that you need to hear today. So it's, I, this is just so deeply encouraging. 
It's also a challenge, I think, for some of us. It's, it's, see, it's possible to say this same thing, um, you don't need me. It's possible to say the same thing, but from a different angle, from a, a kind of surface-level humility. Uh, it's the kind of attitude to church that says, oh, I'm not really needed here, and deep down I'm actually quite happy about that. Because <laughs> um, I don't really want the hassle of committed relationships. Um, so I'll just stay on the fringe... I'll float, maybe float around different churches, not expecting much of others and certainly not wanting anyone to expect too much of me. Uh, I, there is a danger of this for those of us who are retired uh, from a different angle. Um, maybe you've retired from work, and, but you've also slipped into thinking you've retired from Christ's body. Um, that as you kind of cruise around Australia as a grey nomad... It's time to go on spiritual cruise control too. And for that person, for, the, for you know, there's lots of different options. But for that person, this is a challenge, maybe even a rebuke. God has placed you here. What right have you to say that you don't belong, that you're not needed? The fact is, if you are a Christian, you are a part of the body. And by withholding yourself, you're depriving Christ's body of something unique some gift God wants you to give so that Christ can be proclaimed and his body built up in love. You are needed. And just because you don't have someone else's gift doesn't mean you don't belong. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Okay, so you don't need me. What Paul does next, though, is he goes to the opposite extreme. From the person who says, you don't need me, to the person who says, I don't need you. <laughs> so this is, this, is the, this is the opposite extreme. This is the person who's highly involved. They're gifted in some way. And maybe they wouldn't say it out loud, but in their hearts, <laughs> they look down on others who aren't quite as impressive or gifted as they are. So this is the eye, right? Verse 21. The eye can, they cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And Paul does a slightly awkward thing here. Um, you know, so as we read through, he, th he says, think about the human body. <laughs> Some of our parts are presentable. Others are slightly less presentable. <laughs> so, so others are unpresentable. And what do we do with our unpresentable parts? We treat them with special honour. We cover them up. We pay attention to them, make sure they're okay. Because they're, just, they're actually essential parts of our body, aren't they? So verse 22, uh, On the contrary, those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable, part, our presentable parts need no special treatment. You don't need to worry about them. See, what... Remember what the Corinthians are caught up in. They're caught up in a culture that made a fuss about the presentable parts. The outwardly impressive people. The ones with, the strong ones. The ones with obvious gifts. They were the ones that the Corinthians kind of held up and made a fuss about. And, I mean, it's, you know, we, it looks different for us. We don't have the same issues. But we can so easily get caught up in that kind of thing too, can't we? But in his body... Christ wants the honour and the attention to go to the unpresentable parts, to the unimpressive, weak ones. 
because we're not just a collection of individuals competing with one another for the spotlight, right? Like, not kind of working our way up the hierarchy. Or, we're not just, we are a body. And in verse 24, God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. So friends, there's no place for saying you don't need me or for saying I don't need you. In a body, each part needs the other to function in a healthy way. And the whole body feels it when one part suffers and when one part is honoured. I think we all get that. Like, if you break your leg, it's not as if the rest of your body kind of shrugs its shoulders and says, just, okay, you deal with that, I'll get on with life. The whole body is impacted, of course. So, friend, this passage asks us, asks you, do you know who you are? Who yous, all, yous all are, like you collective. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you are an indispensable part of Christ's precious body, that you need the body and that the body needs you? And are you expressing that in whatever way you're able? Now, I'm just conscious as we kind of talk about that. For some of us, that's just really hard. Um, your health, maybe other struggles, so things going on in your life make that just really difficult and maybe even impossible to be uh, involved kind of tangibly with us. And I really don't want you to feel any kind of pressure or guilt. Um, but, but perhaps you can pray. Perhaps you can pray. Maybe you could join our prayer team. And you can encourage others as you're able. Maybe even just a short text to someone to tell them you're praying for them i was asked this week something that i was thankful for about our church and so many things i came to mind so deeply thankful for this church family one of the things that came to mind and i shared was the incredible encouragement it is to me personally to be around older saints who live in deep gospel hope in the midst of at times severe suffering um, you, you, might, look, you might not be on a serving team here, that you might not be able to do that. But until your last breath, you can build up this body in profound ways. Simply by trusting Jesus and letting people see you do that. I need that example from you and so do others. We need it. We need it for each other. So what I'm saying, like, there's, you know, there's structured ways and they're good, they need to happen. There's a whole host of um, organic, informal ways that we build one another up. Um, so um, maybe that's just hard, there's, there's issues around that. And please um, don't hear me sort of um, putting heavy on you or anything like that. Um, there are seasons in which uh, you are a weaker part of the body who needs care, and that's good and fine. But maybe for others, you've, you, you're thinking, uh, actually, you, you do have gifts and it is right for you to use them to serve. Maybe you don't think you know what your gifts are. Uh, I think the best thing to do is just to say, look, I'll help out wherever. <laughs> like, what needs doing? <laughs> just dive in. It's, it's, and it's actually in serving that you 
can get a sense for what your gifts may, might be. They kind of emerge out of that. So don't let not knowing your gifts stop you from serving. Just get, get, dig in, join the kids' church team. A special shout-out for men. Um, our, our, our boys and our youth, uh, they need older, godly men. Um, and, and so there's no reason why most men here couldn't think about joining our kids' church or youth. Um, join the sound team. We just had a plug for that. The admin team, a welcoming team. Oh, there's heaps of options, right? for that in our church family, and there are lots of needs as well. But, so don't let not knowing your gift stop you. I, I, don't let us also, I want to encourage, this is, this is I, not the Lord, or Paul, okay? So just take it for a grain of salt. Uh, but also don't let a strong opinion of your gifts stop you from serving either. What I mean by that is sometimes people hold off because they think they're gifted in some way and only want to serve in that particular way. I think that's a Corinthian kind of attitude. Um, and I don't think it's um, right in the body of Christ. It just gets stuck into humble service where it's needed. Don't think too much about yourself and entrust it all to God. Okay, if you want some next steps, fill in that tear-off slip, whack it in the everything box. If you haven't done Belong, our, um, our, our um, course about this church, do it with Steve. Miriam will get in touch. There's, so, you know, there's lots of options there. I want to draw us together, though. But what Paul does at the end of this, this section, I think, is really important. Um, and let's come back to the text. <laughs> so what Paul does is he turns from these, these things that divide the body. Uh, you don't need me. I don't need you. These things that divide the body, he turns from them to things that build up the body. And he goes back to this issue of gifts that we looked at last week. Um, one of the beautiful things about a church body is the amazing diversity of gifts. And it is, like, it's beautiful. I'm astounded, actually, by just how uh, incredibly diverse the gifting of um, Christ's body is, and here as well. So this is what he says, verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, and God has placed in the first in the, in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance. Uh, that guidance, uh, a different translation you might have administration. It's kind of a, a governance, leadership kind of gift, uh, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And the implied answer to that is no. <laughs> no, that's the whole point. Um, this is a diversity of gifts. And verse 31, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. There's heaps in there, but I just want to focus on that last line. I think there's a bit of a surprise in there, right? So Paul has gone out of his way to say all gifts come from the one spirit. And the Corinthians were wrong to elevate one gift, the gift of tongues, above the, other, above the others. So Paul's gone out of his way to say that. But here, do you see what he's saying here? He says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So some, what's going on? some gifts are greater. What's, what's going on? Well, I think what's going on is the, the whole thrust of this section is to urge this church not to use their gifts for their own sake, but for the good of others. Okay, so that's kind of the big sort of thrust of this whole, these whole chapters. For the building up of Christ's body, later in chapter 14, he says to this church, since you are so eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. That's kind of his big picture. 
I think what Paul's doing here when he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts, I I think he's redefining for this church what greatness is. He's trying to get them to change their view of what's truly great. They were enamoured with outwardly spectacular gifts, all the while, while their church was being torn apart by factions and sins and rivalries. Now, it's such a dysfunctional church. And Paul says, true, this was right at the start of this letter, true greatness, true wisdom, true power is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's found in his self-giving love for the good of his people. And I think what Paul's saying is to this, whole, uh, to this church, and it is, I think, to the whole church, I, I don't think he means each individual person should individually desire each of these gifts, but as a church body, a healthy body will value, will desire, will pursue these really great gifts, gifts that build one another up, that build up the body. And I think actually Paul's given us a hint about what those greater gifts are in that list he's written. So if, if you look there, he, he, that last list uh, kind of he wrote of these gifts, uh, notice he highlights the first three of them. He gives them a number, um, and I think that's intentional, first, second, third. Uh, they're all what you might call word gifts, apostles, prophets, and teachers. Uh, so the, the apostles were this small group who were sent out and given authority by Jesus to teach his words. And we have their teaching to us in the New Testament, right? So a healthy body is one that longs to hear Jesus' word, to be governed by him as our Lord, given through his apostles that we have in our Bibles. Um, th- there might be a kind of small a gift of apostleship, that continues in some way, so sort of especially as people are sent out with the gospel into new places. Um, but this, what I'll call capital A apostleship, it doesn't continue in people, in new kind of new apostles coming along. It continues for us, this gift is given to us in the gospels and letters and writings of the apostles that we have in the New Testament. Uh, okay, that's a possible. We'll, we'll think more about prophecy in a couple of weeks, but just notice that's a word gift too. Uh, Old Testament prophets gave out God's word to his people in his unfolding revelation of himself. Um, my view is that after Jesus, um, there's no need for new revelation because Jesus is the fullness of God made flesh. We're not waiting for more of God to be revealed. We're going to sing in a moment, there is no more for heaven now to give. But this, this prophetic gift seems to take the word of Christ and apply it to the life of God's people so that what we'll find in a couple of chapters, so that they are encouraged, strengthened and comforted. And thirdly, there's gifts of teachers that take that same word and faithfully explain it and pass it on. So friends, there are many gifts and Paul's really trying to emphasise that they're all good, they're from God. But a healthy body is one that longs to hear and obey its Lord, its head, Jesus. 
And the Spirit delights to give gifts to his church so that the word of Christ would be loved and received and lived out in powerful and transforming ways. So I think this, for us, this is just a call to eagerly desire for our church, to, eat, to look for and receive from others those greater gifts that build up Christ's body here. I'm sure there's more to talk about there. Uh, but there's, I do want to finish. There's one more thing that Paul hints out here, and it's not in your um, sheets. So you need a physical Bible. This is one good reason to bring a physical Bible. So just in the next few weeks, you can use these if you want, but bring your own Bible to church. Uh, because did you notice, or well, if you've got your, uh, your, um, physical, your actual Bible here or on your phone, you'll see that there's actually a bit more to this verse. Uh, Paul says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. Uh, this really is, I know I've talked a lot about, and we're thinking about big things, but this really is at the heart of everything that we're looking at over these next few weeks. We're going to reflect in it in detail next week. Alex is going to help us do that. But Paul doesn't just want us to, de to desire the greater gifts. He wants to show us the most excellent way. You could be the most spectacularly gifted person in the world, but without this, you are just a clanging gong. You might not feel you have any gifts, but with this, you will have a profound impact on building up Christ's body. You will bring joy to God's heart. You will be living in a way that bears eternal fruits. What is it? Love. Love. And I, this, this is just so, I think it's so important that this chapter is right in the heart of this section. Uh, we're talking a lot about these gifts of the Spirit, what they are, what they're for. Um, it's kind of fraught in a way. I don't know if you felt that. I certainly have. Uh, like the Corinthians, our church family has a wide range of experiences and opinions in all of this. Um, for many of us, it's kind of just interesting, and we're, but for some of us, it's very personal and deep. So I'm going to try and teach God's Word as faithfully as I can, without fear or favour. That's my hope, at least. Uh, and I want to hope to try to convince you as well. But I could be wrong, and if you think that I am... I hope that you'll try to convince me from God's word as well. But in all of that, in all of that, what really counts, what really counts is that we love one another, is that we love one another in this body that God has placed us into sovereignly by his spirit and by his grace. What might that look like? Make it through the roadblocks and come back next week. <laughs> Come back next week. But for now, this, friends, is who we are, who you are. We together are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Let me pray. Thank you, our God, for the precious gift of your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that by your Spirit you have united us to Jesus and brought us into your family, that you have made us the body of Christ. We thank you that by your Spirit you have gifted us in a profound and diverse variety of ways, 
and that we are united in Christ. Help us to know and maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, to maintain that unity that you have created by bringing us into this body and help us to express our diversity, use the gifts you've given us, not for our own sake, but for the building up of your kingdom so that Christ may be honoured, people will come to faith in him uh, and your church will be built up. We pray that we can't do that on our own. We ask, Lord, that you might move powerfully by your spirit to to do that among us. And we pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.